Some more key dates in Miami's schedule were released Tuesday afternoon. We'll let you know when to start circling your calendar. Plus, we break down the recent roster additions to the Heat, what to know about Cole Swider, Alondas Williams, and Justin Champagny, and can Damian Lillard follow James Harden's lead to force his way out of Portland? All that on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, here as always with Dave Vermeil. However you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Uh, the NBA released the group play schedule for the in-season mm-hmm. tournament on Tuesday. The whole tournament is going to last from November 3rd to December 7th with at least or the last two rounds taking place in Las Vegas. Teams are broken up into six groups, three from the East, three from the West. Winners of each group plus two wild cards. Those teams advance to the knockout stage. So your group and your schedule, uh, your group play and your schedule within the group play, are actually really important when it comes to who makes it out of group play, who gets to the knockout stage. So here's how the Heat are are going to start off. They're going to start by hosting the Washington Wizards. Hmm. They're going to play then in Charlotte on November 14th, in New York November 24th, and then against Milwaukee at home. So hosting the Bucks for their last group stage game on November 28th. Uh David, I actually think looking at this the group stage slate has actually broken pretty well for Miami. It's a tough group with Milwaukee and New York in it, right? Two playoff teams plus Miami. Charlotte's going to be better than last year because they'll be healthier. Washington, Can't I don't get really worse. know what to think, but right yeah. exactly. Uh Washington whatever, but you, you kind of it's almost like preseason you get to start off group play with them at home. Again, I think I think the the schedule considering that it's a tough group in the first place uh, at, at the top broke pretty favorably for them. It's an interesting question. Cause you know, seeing how Miami responded to last year's regular season. And, and again, this is not knowing what the full roster is going to be. Are they going to be going to camp with a disgruntled Tyler hero? Is Damian Lillard going to be energized and ready to take Miami on, uh, you know, is to, to embrace the challenge of a new start to his career in Miami you know, will Jimmy Butler be healthy? Will Bam Adebayo, you know, be healthy? These are questions that have dogged Miami over the regular seasons of the last couple of years. And that being the case, I I don't know what to make of this. Like, I, I'd love to be able to prognosticate, oh, this is what's going to happen and how things are going to break out. But, you know, Miami has been so difficult to pencil in in terms of what happens during the regular season that I'm finding it really difficult to see how Miami is going to be able to break this game, this, this this breakout group or whatever, how are they going to be able to 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 kind of continue to their way through the tournament in this sense? If they're going to care, like, do you think I, the five hundred grand helps? I think the five hundred grand helps. I think it does, but I don't know. I don't. Miami, like the Heat players, by the for the most part, they're not really all that concerned about the the monetary aspects of it. Like, I mean, if you're looking at Miami's core players, they're older, they're already more established. I wouldn't be surprised to see, like we talked about this before, when the, the, the idea of the tournament first became finalized. I think it's the the hungrier teams that have had very little actual 
quantifiable postseason success that are more likely to jump out, plus younger teams that, despite the fact that they might not have the talent or experience, they want the paycheck because they just haven't gotten those second contracts. They haven't gotten the kind of money that Bam, Tyler, Jimmy, certainly Dane, even Kyle Lowry, et cetera, have already gotten over the course of their careers. And so they'll be fighting for something a little bit more than just, oh, we want to win these games. We want to win this tournament. The tournament itself, I don't know, is going to matter as much. Winning these games matters as much to Miami as it does any regular season, which, as we've seen, isn't always a whole hell of a lot. I would say winning these games probably matter a little bit more. I don't think that the 500... The 500 grand is the same for every team, right? And so how much does that motivate you, I guess, would be different team to team. But I think it would motivate each team a little bit differently versus their own just normal regular season games. Like these games that are going to be broadcast on Tuesday and Friday nights, I think it is. Like they'll be up for those games a little bit more. Like there's not going to be the rest. Like Jimmy Butler will play in them. Like there, there'll be that stuff. And I do think that there's going to be an aspect of, yeah, maybe I'm making $40 million a year. But that guy next to me in the locker room isn't and and the money could really make a difference for my teammates and I think that does matter not just for the heat but I think for you know teams across the league and star players across the league that said I don't know why I should care I really don't know why I should care and I'm watching NBA today and like they're they're having this conversation about what can they do to get people to care more and like Richard Jefferson obviously the ex-player is like I don't know they should pay him more money I was like I don't care how much the players are making like why do People think we care how much the players are making for this. Wow. My favorite player has a chance to make $500,000. Like, what do I care? That doesn't make any difference to me. It's as important as any other regular season game at any other point in time, right? Like, it, it, does, it doesn't seem to change anything, like, as far as my level the of interest. The only difference now of- is the novelty of it. It's like, okay, it's on national TV. My game, if my team, if they advance, will be on nationally televised games against ostensibly good opponents but to your point like do i know that the milwaukee bucks and the denver nuggets are going to care about this no i don't i don't and like it's funny like what looking at the FanDuel odds like the nuggets have great odds because they just won the championship they should have good odds the boston celtics have great odds to win this because they've been in the conference finals the heat have good odds to win this because they were just in the nba finals i don't know that any like if the indiana pacers come out of this thing as winners i won't be shocked not because they're the best team but just because they got hot and they cared the most at this particular point in the regular season the and, Orlando Magic are going to smoke the Sacramento Kings in the tournament final. Yeah. Everybody's going to have a collective. Eh, okay, good. It'll good be cool them. that it's in Vegas. And in, like yeah. I said, it'll be cool to see your team play on national TV, especially if you're a smaller market team, if you're a Minnesota or whatever like that. And you're like, hey, my team barely ever gets on TNT or ESPN. This would be really cool. Like, I get that. That part is cool as a fan. I would root for that. But – uh, especially if I'm not a fan that has like league pass and maybe if I'm not in that, t- whatever, but I still don't like, there's no playoff stakes. There's no draft picks. There's nothing. There's nothing at stake here. And I don't really know what the right answer for that is. Um, and, and that's not really a debate. I mean, we've had that conversation. I don't know how the, I don't think that the NBA should just award a playoff position to whoever wins this thing. I don't think that draft picks like should be here. Like maybe you get an extra ping pong ball in the lottery. If you make the lottery, like, yeah, I, I, or you, you, you get, automatic home court in the playing tournament, but I don't think that you should get home court in the playoffs. That seems, that seems to me like way, yeah. way too much of an award. And, and a lot of people, are, a lot of people are bringing up the play in tournament. It's like, well, my, you know, the NBA was really daring when they introduced this just a few seasons ago and it's caught fire. And it's like, yeah, but that has actual stakes. Not only are those playoff right. level 
competition, but those teams either get eliminated. And again, if you're on those bottom rungs, and look, even Miami was able to go all the way from the play-in tournament to the NBA Finals, that's a little different than just saying, well, this is a regular season game with just slightly higher stakes that don't really impact you at all as a fan. It just kind of impacts the players' wallets. So it's like, what if you get like? I, I would say like, maybe you get like extra cash that you can use in a trade, right? But then like, where does that cash come from? Does it come from the league? Like the yeah. owner doesn't want to have the right to spend more cash that they don't want to spend. Or like, do you get like a 31st draft pick? Or do oh. you get like a, an amnesty on the Stepien rule where it's like now you this can trade a back-to-back pick or something? You're talking about for the future because this has already been set for this year. This is not the case. Yeah, right? no, I'm talking about going forward. And th- and by the way, like it sounds like the NBA is going to try to sell like separate media rights to this thing. So obviously mm. you've got Turner, you've got ABC, Disney, ABC, whatever. Who, NBC is rumored to maybe try to get in on the next media rights deal. That would be kind of cool if the NBA returned to NBC. Um, who and you know obviously there's going to be the Amazons and the Apples and the YouTube TVs and and all that kind of stuff. But like, could they sell this as a separate entity? And sort of attach all of this stuff that we're talking about to it would be yeah. would be interesting. But to your point, David, yes, all of this is in the future. In terms of right now, I think it'll be fun kind of right now, again, just because of the novelty of it. This is new. Let's see how this works. But that wears off immediately. Like that is a one-year thing. That's it. You got to put stakes on this going forward. And that's fine if they want to slow play this. But I'm gonna need like if I'm gonna care about this thing five years from now, and you're gonna do a whole event on a Tuesday afternoon in August unveiling four games out of the schedule you better have something that makes me care about it other than it's, i wonder what this is all about it's a dry season in terms of content but it's not that dry like this is uh we, we gotta come up just giving us better. the whole freaking schedule but no no you had to take a whole week to do that uh <laughs> coming up who among the heat's training camp invites has the best chance to make an impact next season we're going to talk about that next year on locked on heat Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win a Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You got to you can use your bonus bets on spreads or player props, over-unders, and more. Wes, you got a, a pick for the Super Bowl this year? You know what my pick is. No, no, no. That's just your emotional one, but your actual logistic pick. That Give me the odds, pick. baby. Miami Dolphins. Let's do it. I'm putting my money. I'm putting my heart. I'm putting it all on the line. Let's go. Nine and eight. Here we go. All right. Uh, so visit fanduel.com slash lockdown and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's fanduel.com slash lockdown. It's going to be one of our years this year. One of these years. Mm-hmm. maybe even this year thanks for making lockdown heat your first listen every day make sure that you're subscribed to youtube and on your favorite podcast app the heat open training camp on october 3rd they have filled out their training camp roster with five players those five players are drew peterson cole swider justin champagne no am champagne. i saying that wrong yeah what champagne. champagne champagne yeah champagne alondis williams Caleb Daniels before we get to what these who these players are what they could potentially provide and and why I think a couple of them could really push for one of these two-way spots Mm -hmm. shout out to Andy Ellisberg just shout out to Andy Ellisberg just finding loopholes doing what Andy Ellisberg does 
the Heat, for the longest time, could not sign anybody to training camp contracts. We're coming to unofficial verbal agreements with guys like Cole Swider and Drew Peterson. Uh, just like, hey, trust me, just give us some time. We're going to figure this out. And they couldn't sign anybody because you have to have 14 players under a standard contract as part of your 15-man roster. You have to have 14 guys under a standard contract before you're allowed to give guys exhibit 10 contracts, which are contracts that basically amount to training camp invites. So what does Andy Ellsberg do? He signed center Brandon McCoy, who played for the Sioux Falls Sky Force last year. Just signed him as their 14th player, scooped up these five guys, and then waved Brandon McCoy. That was it. Obviously, McCoy signed to some sort of non-guaranteed contract, maybe a little, maybe maybe made a little bit of money there. I don't know what McCoy's benefit of doing all this was because he didn't end up getting invited to training camp. He just got signed and waived, so he was doing him a favor. But um, now the Heat have their five guys, and they still have that open 14th roster spot. I'm sure the NBA is just rolling their eyes like, okay, like whatever. And McCoy goes to the the Sioux Falls. He goes, he's joining the Sioux Falls team. So it's like. You know, it's a show of good faith. You'll be rewarded eventually. And, yeah, I, I think just by signing the contract, he gets paid the extent of that contract. So, and I guess a prorated amount perhaps. But either way, if, if somebody told you, listen, sign this for an hour and then we're going to cut you and you make, I don't know, $40,000, I think pretty much everybody would do it. I'm a little upset they didn't call me and ask. But uh, I would have done it. So you're not, a, you're not on the Sioux Falls roster, man. Sorry. I guess not. Um, so, look uh, – here are the five players again. Drew Peterson, Cole Swider. I'm going to try it again. Justin. You do it. Champagne. Champagne. Why I saw. I, I saw. That's a French French sounding pronunciation. Champagne is another one I saw. Champagne is what I. Okay. I'm going to go Champagne. That's just like. That just sounds more natural for me. All right. Alondis Williams, Caleb Daniels. Um, let's start with Drew Peterson, just because oh. we remember him from Summer League. Uh, yeah. Went undrafted out of USC. Heat scoop him up, add him to the summer league roster. Six foot nine forward, shot forty seven percent on more than four three point attempts per game for the Heat in Las Vegas uh, last month. So obviously, just sort of that kind of player that the Heat have had a positive track record with, whether it be a Duncan Robinson or a Max Drew, sort of a taller, bigger three point specialist. Cole Swider, same deal. Six foot yep. nine, three point shooting specialist. Was on the Lakers G League team last year. Uh, shot almost 44% on more than seven three-point attempts per game in the G League last year. Uh, was also good in summer league at uh, and when in his four years at Syracuse was a, a good three-point shooter. Made three, 38% of his threes at Syracuse. So Peterson Swider, it's a it's a shootout for them in training camp. What do you think about those yeah. two? Yeah, I like Swider in terms of, and in terms of he's a little bit more physically developed. Peterson's really undersized, and so. He'd have to put on some significant weight and be able to show that he can handle himself defensively. I think they've already seen enough of him. And and as, you know, talking to Karan Butler and other guys on the team during summer league, you know, they were very interested in making sure that he felt comfortable and confident and had the green light to go ahead and shoot. So it's a matter of kind of finding your footing. And so in terms of like comparing him to Swider. My feeling is that Swider's probably a little bit further ahead just because he has that kind of experience. Yeah. If they're both comparably sized, and I think Swider's a little bit more developed physically, and yet Swider has a little bit more, again, experience, uh, understanding G League responsibilities, things of that sort, I think he probably has the edge over Peterson. But Peterson's still a guy that they can, and they've already invested some time in and can continue to develop him under their watchful tutelage in Sioux Falls. Yeah. So, 
notable. I think that's probably how it shakes up. I agree with you. Notable that basically as soon as the Lakers waved Swider, the Heat a few days later grabbed him. So they they a guy that they had had their eye on. Um, let's let's go on to the other guys. Uh, Champagny, Toolsy, Wing, six foot yeah. six, almost close to a six foot ten wingspan. He's got some yeah. bounce, showed yep. some defensive versatility, a little bit of playmaking chops, a little bit. I'm not going to say that he's going to be running offense for him, but he could pass the ball, and we know that Miami likes that. I've uh, spent yeah. most of uh, most of the last two seasons in Toronto, a little bit of time in Boston. Um, this is very like this is Derek Jones Jr. to me. It's that kind of experiment. Very similar. Yeah, very yeah. Similar. Athletic, long, rangy. Could he be like this? Is a guy that might be able to kind of be at that top of that zone. Remember where they used to use Derek Jones? Like just like yeah. be at the top of the zone, spread your arms out wide, get in a defensive stance, and then just jump passing lanes and do stuff. Um, similarly to Derek Jones, like not very much a three point shooter, 11 of 33 from beyond the arc for his career. So there's not a whole lot of sample there and it's not at a great percentage either. So, uh, but an interesting guy, an interesting guy, nonetheless. Yeah. It's funny how Boston fans almost immediately after Miami picked him, it's like, Oh boy, here we go again. Max Struess part two. Yeah. The heat as a constant thorn in our side. Oh, geez. Oh, here we go again. Uh, You know, they got to turn Champagne into a, a superstar. I don't know about all that. Like he's raw. He's got physical tools. He's not even as athletic, explosive, or long as Derek Jones Jr. So it might be kind of like half Derek Jones, half Caleb Martin in the sense like, you know, a a wing player with some physical tools. And he just has to be able to kind of. You know how uh, Josh Floyd was talking to me about him. um, And we can't, it's not, I was like, it it, said exactly what you said. It was like, it's sort of like Derek Jones Jr. But like Caleb Martin, when he first got to Miami or Caleb Martin, his last year in Charlotte. And he was like, what about just Cody Martin? I was like, yeah, actually like a little bit more of like a defensive guy. Uh, not, not really much of an offensive skill set to speak of where Caleb he's, he's got that three point shot that he's developed in Miami. Right. It's like Cody Martin and Derek Jones jr. That's he's somewhere in the middle of there. But like I said, running the floor though, like the the thing I like about him is that Miami's so they're so different in terms of like, they don't grab like what a lot of heat fans or fans in general want in terms of like, Oh, grab that young kid with athletic explosiveness. Normally they grab a guy like Peterson or Swider or even Alondis Williams, you know, the guys that aren't superb athletes at any stretch. And then they go out and say, you know what, this Champagne guy, he's got the tools. Maybe we can invest something in him. So if maybe they can have him running the floor a little bit, use those passing chops that you referred to, turn him into a better defender and if he can put in enough work with Rob Fodor in order to continue to develop the three-point shot, he's got as good a chance as anybody. He's already had NBA experience, yeah. so he's one up on a lot of the competition. Like with these first three guys that we talked about, we've seen the template, right? Whether it's Derek Jones Jr., Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, we've kind of seen it. Um, and so the Heat have a type, in other words. With Alondis yeah. Williams and Caleb Daniels, not so much. Both of these guys are sort of six four two guards. Yeah. We haven't yeah. really, like, I guess the closest thing would be, like, a Gabe Vincent or something like that. But he's even smaller and had a little bit of a different Struce, skill set right? here. It's true without the with a three-point shot. No, I mean, and, and yeah. I like I, I like Caleb. I like Caleb. I like both of these guys. But, yeah, uh, go on go on Caleb, yeah. No, I, I think he's, he's a four-year player. You know, Villanova, they love their Villanova guys with the heat, just like Kentucky. Was uh, he smart five, kid. I think he's a five-year five year player. A five-year player, yeah. you're right. Uh, yeah, so he's, he had a, a year in, in – uh, in Villanova, he was great there. He brought a veteran voice as a transfer. Um, and he showed a lot of pop as far as a three-point shooter, catch-and-shoot guy. Not, like, explosive by any stretch again. So it was just – he's a smart kid. 
really understands his role, brings energy, brings tenacity. They love that kind of guy. So yes. if, if there's one player who kind of embodies heat culture or, or heat work ethic and that kind of mentality going in, I think it's Caleb I, Daniels, I should say, because not to be confused yes. with Caleb Martin. But he's, you know, he's a guy that maybe they could develop. And, and you can see him. If he buys into heat culture the way that I expect him to, he could be the next steal for Miami. And you know that they're already capable of finding those kinds of players. He just, they have to find the right guy. And, and it seems like he might be that type as far as him gravitating towards putting in the work, making the most of limited talent and still finding a way to impact the game. When everybody, playmates, coaches, uh, you know, talk about him, uh, they always talk about what an impactful guy he is. When he comes in, you know, he's going to make a play. And that kind of stands out too from guys like Caleb and others. They, you know, they just yeah. find a way to have an impact on the game. Um, so he actually spent six years, two years at Tulane, oh. sat out a transfer year when you back in the day when you had to do that, and then played four years at Villanova. So he was like a super senior. Um, <laughs> and going into his second to last season, so the 2021-2022 season, had to overcome a case of myocarditis oh, in order wow. to get back onto the court. So everything you're talking about in terms of the 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 mentality and the overcoming adversity stuff, like he has yeah. done this stuff and he's yep. He's already 24. He was already 24 by the time the draft happened, right? So, and just one note here. All these guys are exactly 24 years old. Just found that interesting. But um, in terms of, yeah, having the mentality, the Heat culture, the Heat are loving this guy's story. They love everything about this guy. So, um, and I and I like him. And, and towards the end of his career at Villanova, he had to kind of, transfer into a not transfer because he was he had to shift into a, a six-man role and i find mm. that interesting because when you have caleb daniels and alondis williams who alondis williams played for brooklyn's g league affiliate last year averaged 13 and a half points per game on 51 percent shooting 37 and a half percent on threes 4.7 rebounds 2.9 steals uh and then we're and and he was part of miami's summer league program those numbers were pretty consistent although on a much smaller scale um these are guys that project as sort of that sixth manny scoring two guard coming off the bench, right? Kind of like mm-hmm. a a poor man's poor man's Cam Thomas almost, right? Like that's kind of what I'm thinking of like, without like the athleticism and the, the, the whole Cam Thomasness of it all. But um, I just, I find it interesting that Miami went with these two guys, not because I, I'm with you. I like both of them. I really like Caleb Daniels. I really like the mentality there. And I, I like, I think the, the skill sets are interesting. We just really haven't seen Miami go with these kinds of guys, which leads me to believe that maybe there's some belief internally. Hey, we actually might need a little bit more of a scoring juice at some yep. point, whether it's not probably not this year, but let's get them in the pipeline. Let's start to replenish the farm system. That's taken a hit over the last couple of years. And maybe these are additions that could pay dividends. If we get them in our program now, maybe a year or two down the line, maybe there's something here. Yeah, no, I, I, it's interesting. I also thought they, I'm a little surprised though, that they didn't go with a point guard. So they kind of either shows that they're comfortable with the roster, the way it's currently set, or that they have a lot of faith in, in Bouye and Drew Smith, which is again, a little surprising considering their performances or uneven performances in summer league. Uh, if you're going to have the opportunity to bring somebody in, but I guess at this point, both of those guys have been part of the Miami Heat system. They played for Sioux Falls. They know what's at stake here, and they're giving them another opportunity. Or maybe they think one of these guys can kind of turn into a point guard, like you said, the way that they did with Gabe Vincent. Like maybe, maybe yeah. there's something that they see that 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 we don't. Um, 
I think that Drew Smith, Jamari Bouye, and Jamal Kane, who, by the way, recently signed to a two-way deal, he's still holding out for a standard contract. These two-way contracts can convert it to standard contracts at any point that he could do that. I think that they're sort of just still kind of waiting on the Damian Lillard situation to play out before really deciding what to do with Jamal Kane. Um, yeah. But I think any of these guys could push Bouye or Drew Smith for those two-way contracts. In other words, I think all three of those two-way contracts are very much up for grabs. I think they are very, very much up for grabs in training camp. And this is going to be a fascinating one. These are some we'll really interesting names and some new names. Exactly. Um, speaking of seeing how things are going to play out, can Damian Lillard learn from James Harden? That's next year on Locked on Heat. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure that you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Uh, so the last time we talked, David, Daryl Morey had put it out there that the 76ers are not going to trade James Harden. Uh, then after that, James Harden told an audience while in China that Daryl Morey is a liar and he, he won't ever play for him again. So clearly... James Harden's goal here is to make the Sixers so uncomfortable that they decide that they can't have him in the building and that they trade him anyway after stating publicly that they will not trade him. So uh, we've seen James Harden get his way before, right? Oh, yeah. I think the, the line that's always out there with Daryl Morey is he's comfortable getting uncomfortable. Well, so is James Harden, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and I would say James Harden is the best in the NBA at trade demands. Not only... MVP. He, MVP five year running, I think. You know, he not only does he always get traded when he wants to get traded, he always gets traded exactly where he wants to get traded, when he wants to get traded. And man, this guy is just hats off to James Harden, man. Every year, when you talk about changing the game, he is just finding new ways to get traded and make things uncomfortable for his team. Every single year. I mean, can you, he is a Carl Anthony Towns of trade requests. <laughs> he, I think. I, I, unbelievable. Like, he's like, you know what? I don't want to play for the Sixers anymore. I'm going to opt into my contract. And then I'm going to force yeah. them to trade me, even though there's absolutely zero market for me, which is why I had to opt into this deal in the first place. And it's then a, it's a one, the one category where he leads Dwayne Wade in terms of overall longevity <laughs> and, and supremacy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. James Harden's genius far surpasses Dwayne Wade's genius when it comes to making things uncomfortable and getting his way and getting traded. I mean, there really is no comparison. There really is no comparison. Dwayne Wade has the edge on the court, right? Let's be clear. But that doesn't even even, even matter. Clearly, it doesn't even matter anymore. So, Um, (laughs) look, I don't know if uh, James is going to get his way this time. But at least he's doing something. As uncomfortable and as ridiculous and as much as we joke about it on here. And that that brings me to Damian Lillard. Sure. Who is doing the opposite of James Harden. Damian Lillard is doing nothing. James uh, Damian Lillard is doing absolutely nothing. Uh, should Damian Lillard take a page out of James Harden's playbook here and make well, things more uncomfortable for the Blazers? He, he did reference... The Blazers publicly, I, I think I believe he was at a, a a concert of some kind, and he was out there and he, he said something to the crowd and he said something to the effect of, "Y'all got me sweating like a Blazers game." And then there was a little bit of intrigue based on that because a fan uh, responded or thought he had heard or they heard, uh, "You got me sweating like a Blazers fan," and then that got Dame's attention, and then Aaron Fentress 
had to like chime in. So like there's there's all sorts of intrigue here about the whole get cut really the music matter. crap out. Like there was also that Instagram video of the Will Smiths. I'm going to Miami thing like three months, two months ago, whatever that was. You know what? He's, Enough he's with the music. Enough it. with the music, Dame Dalla. Okay. <laughs> like do something like James Harden. Like, come on. Okay. I want to see. I want to see so Damian Lillard out there. I know that the NBA sent the memo and all that. And I want to see Damian Lillard on Which... Instagram take a copy of the memo, oh. rip it in half, and say Miami period right to the camera and say, I will never play for the Portland Trailblazers again until uh, and I and I will get traded. I will get traded to Miami yeah. period. Joe Cronin is a liar. I will never play for an organization that has Joe Cronin in it. Right. Here's what I think of your memo, Adam Silver. Light it on fire and just put it right there. That would be fantastic. Uh, actually, you know what? I've got to say, uh, as much as I, of course, want Dame traded to Miami, I don't think he should pull that. Uh, I think the reality is, you know, he's already taken so much, no pun intended, heat for his his, his gesture of requesting a trade here, which is, again, in very sharp contrast to the fact that nobody seems to give a damn about James Harden not only requesting a trade to a specific team that might not even necessarily want him, but doing it really badly, boldly, and blatantly in a very, like, just obvious way by telling people in China, hey, you know what? Daryl Morey's a liar. Like, I just, I couldn't even imagine something like that. Like, if Jimmy Butler went out and said Pat Riley and Andy Ellisberg are liars. Like, I, as a hate fan, you would be, like, miserable hearing that, that your star player feels it's that way about childish. the They're a liar. Their pants are on fire. Like, who cares, dude? They're all liars. You're all liars. Well, I- all these I, I guys talk, are liars. I, 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 I talked to the, my co-host on Lockdown NBA yesterday about this Matt Moore, and his, his thought process was, you know, James had wanted the freedom of being able to sign the long-term deal with Philadelphia and then eventually force his way to Houston. But when he saw that well dried up in Houston because they signed Fred Van Vliet, now he still thinks he's going to get that money long-term. And consequently, Daryl Morey in the Philadelphia front office is like, well, you know, you might not be worth that top money. We're, we're not really comfortable paying right. it to you over the course of the contract. And so now that's why Harden's responding. Like, and look, well, there was you that you would. Right. There was that wink, you? wink deal. Like when he took less money last year. Sure. In order to help facilitate signing PJ Tucker, take less Daniel money. House and all these guys. Yeah, and then with money. it, well, never take less money. But also if you do take less money, just take less money and don't tell everybody that you took less money. Don't every interview for two months, every time you get a chance to be like, I'm a hero. I took less money. I should be regarded as a hall of famer. I took less money. People should actually be talking about it more, how I took less money. And then by December, you're already being like, well, the Houston Rockets might sign me to a long-term contract. I would have actually, even with the, the dumb interviews and all that kind of stuff, I would have had more sympathy for James Harden. Because if you have that kind of relationship with Daryl Morey, who he obviously did back from their Houston days, Daryl Morey's giving you that wink, wink deal. And I've heard, I've seen it out there too. It's just like, well, the market changes, the new CBA and all this stuff. I'm like, all right, well, if that wink, wink deal was there in place, I would have had more sympathy for James Harden, would have agreed with him being like, you're a liar and all that kind of stuff. If he wasn't leaking the Houston Rockets stuff on Christmas and since then for months, if he, if he wasn't doing all that garbage, then I would have more sympathy for him. But he was playing. He was playing his side just like the Sixers were playing their side. They were playing each other the entire well, time. So I have no sympathy for either either side in this. To, to get back to your question, though, like I, I think Dame's already taken so much, you know, go, junk from fans across the NBA because they didn't like the way the sausage, seeing the way the sausage is yes. made, the point that you've made before, that transparency has been what's been held against Dame when, in fact, it should be otherwise. Like yeah. People I, say I, they I, want I, transparency, and in reality, they do not. Right. 
So I don't I don't know that it helps his case any to be this play. First of all, I would see. I don't like, think oh, it helps his public case, but I I don't think look, it this is something Van Levitard got at like a few weeks ago. Yeah, sure, make things dirty, right? He might just have to, you know, whether like and yeah, his and the thing and this is what I talk about with James Harden. James Harden's public image is in the toilet, man. James Harden's public image looks worse than he does. Okay. It's like it it's not good, but he consistently gets his way. And so I'm just wondering if Damon Damian Lillard is so conscious of his public image and being the guy that is loyal and never left, and now he wants to leave. And in order to leave, I just, I wonder if he might have to maybe not this, but he might have to do something like this. Uh, that's what sort of my say? question. Oh, I have what no could idea. he say? Well, no that's idea. the thing, though. Like I'm trying to see what he, I mean. First of all, say screw guess, the memo. You know I'm like I'm not playing for you. Like I'm just no, I'm, he, not, he, I'm he, holding out a training camp or maybe make it make a fuss and do the thing that Harden did. Hey, I'll report, but I ain't playing defense. I'll report, he, but I'm not going to be a say, positive influence. He should say what I th- I mean, if I'm, I'm offering my opinion here, but to me, I think what he should do is lay out the case that you and I have talked about for weeks now is the fact that the Portland Trailblazers did not do a very good job of building a team around him that could continue to compete. Like we all seem to know this, but for him to say it publicly, I think would do a lot to to turn fan opinion in his favor and against the Blazers front office. If they could say, look, you know, I tried, I've tried, I've done my best over a decade to keep in line with his public persona of being honest and faithful and say, look, this is what's killing me is that I was, you know, loyal to this team. I wanted to win a championship at Portland, but the Portland front office time and time again, and I'll I'll tie this together with your recent battles on social media. It's like you keep arguing. And I agree with you that Portland has acted like a team that doesn't want Damian Lillard on the roster. And people are challenging that and saying, they think that they that Portland still wants Dame on there. That the moves that they have made in signing Jeremy Grant and, and and drafting Scoot Henderson, an obvious replacement for Dame Lillard, somehow falls in line with wanting to keep Dame on the roster. I don't see it, but what I if, think Dame. If he Dame publicly says, you know what, they did, they've done everything they could to kind of force my way out here. You all are going to judge me for winning. I can't win with this group because they're 19 years old. And he said it to them. Say, I don't. I'm too old to be playing with 19 year olds. What if he goes what? the other way and says, hey, look, obviously my time here has run out because this group is rebuilding. And by the way, I love Scoot Henderson and I love sure. Shaden Sharp and I love the young group that Joe Cronin has put together. It's just not the group that I can win with right now. And he and I have been on the same page in that the entire time. And as much as it pains me to leave Portland and as much as they might not get the return that they want, the reality is I've my me and my agent have been talking to every team in the league, and this is the only offer. And it sucks for Portland, but this is the best that Joe Cronin is going to be able to do. And I and I sympathize with him and I get it. But it's time for us all to move on. And if he could actually sway public support, support the opposite of what Harden is doing against Daryl oh, Morey, yeah. if if yeah. if Dame could sway public support in favor and, and actually provide some shield to Joe Cronin. Because what's Cronin's thing right now? The only reason right. he's holding protecting out of things is he's protecting his own job, which I totally get. He's protecting himself here. He thinks that if he makes a bad trade, it's going to look bad on him and he's going to lose his job. That's what he's worried about. Self-preservation. And if Dame can actually earn him some points in the polls here mm-hmm. and just say, hey, look, this is the best he's going to do. And look at all this great stuff you already have. Look at Scoot and Shaden Sharp. 
You know who wasn't drafting like this? Joe Cronin's predecessor wasn't drafting like this. You know, the only he drafted so me and CJ, and that's job, it. Yeah. yeah, like you guys were lucky. You guys were so lucky. And so, <laughs> if he could go that way, that if he greases the though. wheel for, for Cronin to get a little bit more comfortable and get on the phone with Miami and actually figure out how to get this deal done. Oh, I don't know. That that seems like it's interesting. It seems though. I think we can both agree, whatever uh, side he takes or whatever angle he takes, he's got to do something. Like, and I don't know. Do. The memo just wasn't enough. And, and I know that it's a memo was kind of empty, really, in terms of like being able to limit what we can do. Because if you can make the, write that memo and say that you're, you know you've got, players should not disclose these things, then you can't have James Harden going on a goodwill tour in China in front of two billion people and saying, Daryl Morey is a liar. Daryl Morey is already in hot, enough hot water. Yeah, he knows with his audience, China. man. Yeah, James Harden knew exactly what he's doing with that. Pinpoint um, precision. If he shot that well in the playoffs, they might have won a championship this past year. Can I give you one more idea that the Miami Heat should do? Yeah, sure. I think they they should publicly put the offer out there on like that's never a happened. billboard on like a billboard, like in, in Times Portland. Square. No, in Times in Square. Portland. No, no, do it We're in Portland. Portland. No, yeah, yeah, in Portland, build, keep build Portland weird. Tyler Hero, three first round picks, two first first round pick build, swaps. All right, here's what you're, you're going to build an electronic billboard that you can control from Miami. You're going to build an electronic billboard right outside of Joe Cronin's office at the Rose Garden, <laughs> and every day, something from that offer disappears until it's basically oh, just Kyle Lowry's expiring contract. It seems like a movie plot at some point, you know, like you're holding somebody hostage or something it's like, like that. You think the offer's <laughs> bad now. Yeah. If you wait a week, every week that goes by, something's coming off of it. Every day. Every day. Every day you don't accept our current offer, Joe. One and of I these names like gets taken off the list. Clock yeah. ticking down. Yeah. Like, oh, a doomsday clock. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at this point. No, because then that kind of puts Miami into a bad spot. I, I, I love the theatrics of it. It just doesn't seem very realistic yet. <laughs> Um, it's the only offer out there, and it will only be the only offer out there, regardless of how bad it is. If it's just Duncan Robinson, it's still the best offer that Portland has for Damian Lillard. Well, it's just funny. I mean, it kind of ties back to what we said uh, on Sunday's episode is that, you know, could Portland just say, no, what? Forget it. We're just going to keep James. Like, we're not going to get anywhere close to value. We're not going to get anything that even we even want. Let's just keep Dame. And that's the other thing just- that's weird. They haven't really said that we're just going to keep him. Like the Sixers right. at least came out and said, we're just going to keep this guy. Yeah. Like Even after his comments, like Maury wants Maury, to trade him. Yeah. Well, Maury, apparently not. Maury said, yeah, I'm moved by, by James's comments. You know, it's okay. It's uh, it's not that big a deal. He could call me a liar. Well, whatever. You know, it's just funny that he's like, he's hearing this publicly. It's just, uh, can I also add this? Miami Heat fans should be so grateful every day that they love an organization like the Miami Heat where none of this plays out. I know everybody wants to poke fun at the heat and heat culture, but we have never seen a public fiasco like this with this organization ever. Like the, the closest it comes is what 2016 with Dwayne leaving. And even that was just like, Oh, he chooses to go back home. It was done tightly, neatly. And nobody ever found out anything the worst for wear. Other than that, Chicago what, offered him Sh- twice as much money. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Shaquille yeah. I get it. Wanting to fight Pat Riley back in, in, in you know, 2000, at some point, 2007. I mean, I, 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 I understand what you're saying, but also, like, there's only two guys that I could think of that have ever. It's like, it's like James Harden and it's Kyrie Irving, and these are the guys. Now, 
they're, and they're always making a show out of everything. But but even Jimmy uh, you Butler. Credit, you, you're right. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Butler did it in Minnesota. Um, no, that's true. I mean, I guess like I mean, Jimmy Butler almost fought Spo on on the sideline two years ago. So it's like I mean, but it's yeah. not as bad as this kind of offseason drama. Stuff. Yeah, and to your point, yeah, like, you. You wish they'd show the same passion for trade requests for Ben Simmons and James Harden on the floor. They might have won something in Philadelphia. Like, it's just unbelievable. You know, if they really cared this much about, like, just securing their own bag as they did about winning, you know, maybe, but that's maybe they the might thing. actually do some winning. Yeah. That's Harden's legacy. He's just I, – I really don't know what he's looking for, but whatever. Um, well, yeah, his bust in, in – his bust in, in in Springfield should be like it should be a bag with a money dollar sign on it. That should be it. He got the bag. We'll see what happens. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. We're going to be back on Thursday afternoon. The NBA schedule in full gets released on Thursday. I think I misspoke on our first episode this week. What I meant on Tuesday. Today, the in the the uh, group play schedule was released. The full 82 game schedule gets released wow. on Thursday, so we're gonna have a breakdown of that on Thursday afternoon. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Like those videos on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app, and thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day.